1: feel the same way Scott yeah guy I'm conflicted don't do it mask on mask off off we're not even six feet apart dude. we're not but your voice is muffled I will suffer the consequence of coronavirus I'm the
0: one that's going to suffer because you're going to give it to me and then I'm going to pass it on to people around me
1: my microphone's catching everything right here see this filtered bubble that's catching it all
0: yeah guy July 14th It's a Tuesday morning, and for the first time in a long time, David Lee Scales and Scott Bass were here together, actually in our physical presence, just maybe four feet apart from each other. I've decided to wear a mask. David's going without. We discussed this prior to going live. David, um, I just feel like I could be asymptomatic. I don't even know it. I've never been tested. We don't know if I have it or not. I could be giving, I could be saving you from getting it and you passing it on to your loved ones. Could be. And yet you sit there sort of, uh, how would you characterize it? Is it selfish? Not a nonchalant. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Nonchalantly
1: selfish Uh, without
0: a mask on.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I have no excuse, Scott. I will wear a mask if you want me to. I did tell you that, um, if it makes you more comfortable, I will wear a mask. Would that make you more comfortable?
0: I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty protected with my mask okay, on. Okay, good, good, good. And I like the contrast
1: here. Yeah, it makes you look good like cop, a good guy. bad cop. Exactly. I'll be the bad guy. I'm comfortable being the bad guy. Plus, people don't have to look up my extra large nostrils. I I look way better in a mask. Yeah. So I'm actually comfortable wearing it, you know, certainly yeah. out in public and stuff just because I feel. Number one, better looking with a mask on. Number two don't have to interact with anybody that I, like if I know somebody I can kind of hide behind the mask and I don't have to have small talk.
0: I actually saw somebody that I knew the other day and I had my mask on and it allowed for the opportunity of just bypassing each other. Totally. <laughs> Which is kind of sad. It is kind of right? selfish. That's truly selfish. Like why didn't I have well, the time to say,
1: Hey, i'll tell you why
0: is because wally. why
1: how are you wally <laughs> or whoever the hell it was because those interactions are always um surface level and so it's not like you're gonna have a meaningful interaction with them and it some sort of insight about their family or kids or whatever you're gonna just go hey how are things okay good what have you been doing uh. yeah but and that's the most annoying conversation
0: to it have is in, annoying. Life, I totally, in life i agree but you also have to look at it, you're looking at it like what am i getting out of the conversation? Rather than what kind of am I providing to that person that I don't know? He might need to see a smile. He might need to see somebody he hasn't seen in
1: a while or whatever. He might need to hear you say, hey, how you doing? You make a compelling point, except 99 out of 100 of those conversations are not that. They're mostly just small talk, small surface level. At one out of 100. is That's like the odds of me catching COVID from you right now. Exactly. Exactly. I'm willing to play that. To play those
0: numbers, playing with my life, you're rolling the dice. Um,
1: speaking of COVID, yes,
0: Newsom just shut us down again yesterday. When you say shut us down, what do you mean exactly? Governor Newsom of California,
1: yes, shut down your beaches and not go- the beaches, but uh, business in general, like commerce. It it isn't like a full shutdown like we were in the the height of quarantine, but it is non essential businesses, including non essential, yeah, including non essential offices um so it's kind of one step up from the full-blown lockdown yeah i think restaurants i think are still open if they have outside seating and you can only seat outside they're not allowed to use the interior but um nail salons barber shops all that sort of stuff is closed down which i mean obviously you got to do the right thing um you've got to put health before commerce but imagine if you were a small business owner and you somehow survived that first shutdown only to come out of it barely gasping for breath going, oh my gosh, that was insane. And then you're open for two weeks and then boom, shut down again. That's a nightmare. Yeah. Full-blown nightmare. Yeah,
0: that's the gyms are kind of, like you said. The, the gyms are the done The gyms too. are the ones that are really kind of, because
1: they, I think they were
0: told July 12th or something like that they could open. Might've taken them a week or no, June 12th, excuse me, June 12th. Might have taken them a week and they had maybe two and a half, three weeks, and now they're shut down again.
1: Right Right. when
0: they were kind of getting, because I got calls from my gym like, hey, come on in, we're back, you know?
1: Yeah. Which um, previously they got a lot of, there was government support programs, you know, loans and things like that. So I'm wondering now if there's going to be a new round of those things. Maybe not because this is specific to California, whereas previously it was all federal. Yeah. Um, So it'll be curious to see how things shake out with this latest. But I mean, that is um, because everybody's experiencing a COVID spike. Because people aren't wearing masks. People aren't wearing masks. (laughs) Dude, I wear it out in public. Dude, you're supposed to wear them
0: indoors when you're within six feet of somebody. Right. Which is exactly what you are right now. By the way, there's no air moving around in here. By the way, did I say we're at Shack? Oh,
1: shoot. Look at, We're on YouTube in Shack. So listeners... Who are in their car right now listening to the podcast go to youtube and find the video and you can see everything that we have discussed
0: this is the boardroom slash library exactly and, uh, this is where all the stuff goes down do you and see my new surfboard over i here? do why do you need another new surfboard i'm excited about the color on that board that's pretty isn't it thanks freaky should i pick it up and bring it in front of the camera further yeah
1: no. all right um <laughs> I've got okay. a pandemic reaction. Okay, I've cool. have got two of them for this episode. I want to talk more about Shaq real quick. Oh, yeah. We're- Shaq um, closed due to COVID in March and was able to get the PPP loan and keep a few people on and have used this downtime for tremendous good. Like they've completely renovated the museum. Um, it used to mainly be surfboards out there and then in these other rooms and in their archives they had certainly all this other media (coughs) media skateboards whatever paraphernalia but they've incorporated all of that onto the museum floor so now with each era of a surfboard there will be kind of a bunch of context around it relics from those eras that just provide more like you said a more museum-like experience it's a better experience yeah and um one of the recent acquisitions is john severson's desk that's right, right these doors which we who is john severson for those who don't know the ignorant um john severson is the founder of surfer magazine yes. and i mean probably a million other things that are important and relevant to surfing what's the most
0: important thing john severson wrote in the very first issue of surfer magazine uh i know this but i can't you access can kind it. Of just you know summarize mission it. statement Kind of, sorts. Of, kind of kind Talk. of like a, a credo for credo. all of us to follow for the
1: rest of our lives the surfer mantra or yeah, something, yeah. The
0: surfer magazine mantra is basically and i'm going to butcher it a little bit but it's basically like out there somewhere is the perfect wave waiting for you go go search for the perfect wave you can have your moment and ever since then we've had this ideal of the perfect wave is what we are striving towards rather than just the crappy orange county beach break close out that you surfed this morning
1: which brings us to lamar we found it <laughs> mecca mecca to the north all hail fresno mecca um mm. so it's kind of like the
0: matterhorn at disneyland it's not really the matterhorn but it's right a, it's an or, a version or sleeping beauty's castle right it's is, yeah it's really all based on the,
1: yeah which um Disney World is reopening. Shockingly, why do you care? You're not wearing a mask. I know. <laughs> I'm going go to Disney there. World. I'm booking yeah. a ticket. Yeah, you should go. Um, so Severson's desk. We're going to record podcasts from Severson's
0: right. desk. That's exciting. We're going to do this. David and I are going to be recording our podcast starting next week. I guess. Sure. From Severson's desk, John. Watch Severson's it on YouTube. Desk. That's pretty cool. So, it, I mean, it just goes just. I mean, it goes without saying that great things are going to come from that desk, not because of us, but because we're channeling John
1: Severson. We should track the lineage. We should create a timeline. Yes. It went Severson, Pesman, that desk, uh, specifically that desk. I'm not tracking the timeline of the I magazine. I think so, Desk went with Pesman to the Surfer's Journal. Correct. So that's where it just stayed. So it went Surfer Magazine, uh, Severson, surfer's journal pesman no no surfer sp- magazine pesman right and then surfer's journal pesman yeah and then scott bass david lee scales podcast, right, spit it's, podcast. On, it's on a perfect upward trajectory it makes so much sense it's- i mean the three greats right right the three great surf media entities of oh, all man. time
0: right pesman severson and the desk
1: spit 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 spitballing now, now live
0: on youtube that's right come and get yeah, we need right. youtube subscribers if you're watching us on YouTube, push the subscribe button Thank for you. God's sake.
1: Thank you. Why wouldn't you? It yeah.
0: Doesn't cost you a dime. And go check out the Boardroom Shows the YouTube channel and subscribe
1: to that. Do you post uh, the boards, auction boards, on there? I do. Nice. All the auction boards are on there. Nice. All right. Um,
0: yeah. What do you want to do? What do you? I've got. Do you I've go? got follow ups okay. from listeners
1: from previous shows. This mask and
0: isn't working very good. I, I have take to off. adjust it constantly. Off,
1: Just take it off. It also muffles your. Uh, Fuck it. Did you make that thing yourself? That's, my mother-in-law, she's wonderful. Was that off of a tablecloth? Something special, probably like one of my
0: children's like outfits or something. It you looks know, like she, a tablecloth on the thoughtful. inside. My mother-in-law's very thoughtful.
1: Um, so we've got follow-ups from previous shows, listeners chiming in. You said you had COVID takes.
0: I've got a couple COVID pandemic reactions. Like last episode, I've got two different ones that Okay, you and I can chill. Then,
1: then let's start with listener feedback real quick. Sure. Um, I was listening to you guys discuss pro surfer salaries and it made me wonder if Sally Fitzgibbons is one of the only ones who hasn't taken a pay cut. I don't know if you recognized a couple of years ago, she pivoted away from surf industry sponsors, almond milk and Land Rover are her key brands. So he said, um, everyone is still drinking almond milk and driving Land Rovers. It's an interesting point. And then he fur- followed by saying, and does Torn Martin sell more board shorts than half of the WSL surfers combined? Which I think is the more interesting question. I,
0: I mean, when I think about going to Need Essentials for board shorts, I don't think the driving force is torn. The driving force is the product and the price, the price point, and just the fact that they're 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 kind of
1: like simple and good. So those things appeal to us as um, consumers, but would we have ever? Would most people who have purchased Need Essentials product had heard about Neat Esen- Have heard about Need Essentials if it I'm wasn't for Tor? I'm gonna.
0: I'll be right back. The way you said "purchase," <laughs> the hard pee flowing out made me realize I gotta get. I'm gonna get a more comfortable mask. Okay.
1: So, thanks for bearing with me. Thank you. <laughs> no. Thank I'm, you for bearing with me. Gladly, um, that one doesn't muffle your voice. No, as much it's, much better. it's and, much better. And
0: but what I just realized is, this means I'm gonna have to wear a mask for every episode until there's a vaccine.
1: Uh, oh you've well. sealed your fate i have okay
0: um we'll see how long that lasts go
1: sorry. ahead you're talking about Torren martin and my need essential i mean i'm just I, yeah, so you and i if we go we can roll the tape from two or three years ago when we both discovered need essentials um on our own and then it came up organically on the show aside from us the vast majority of people who bought product from need i'm wondering if they ever would have heard about it if it had not been for Torin.
0: i think they would have through our show yeah. I think there's some people, we have we have quite a following I think of it, hardcore type surfers that would purchase those.
1: I think to the listener's comment though, it's a perfect example of a surfer doing his job of marketing yeah. a product. No, I'm not doubting that. Because, well, I mean, in regard to what we were talking about previously, where we're looking at pro surfer salaries going, gosh, does whatever the surfer is um, earn their million dollar salary off board short sales, it's hard to justify. There's certain guys you could justify the top level, but all those mid-tier guys, can you justify? But you look at somebody like Torn and he's kind of the best example of somebody who just has had significant influence. He's had significant influence, you know? It's It's hard to find anybody on the CT who you could directly correlate sales to as equally as you could Torn, I would say.
0: And he's a great example of a brand going, we're just going to have one guy that represents our product and that's all we need and we love what he's all about and that's our guy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We don't need 30 30 dudes.
1: Right. Yeah. So I thought that was a good comment from Andrew on Instagram. Um, Somebody else, a different Andy, incidentally came through email and said, watching your YouTube podcast. I thought I would chime in to Scott's comments regarding global sports. I completely understand his point. However, tell him that to check formula one, the first GP of the season ran last weekend. There were no spectators and it's different, but it was excellent to have F one back. And it seems like it works. Surfing could do the same question mark.
0: Yeah. He brings up a good point, which is true of golf too. There are (laughs) sports where you don't need uh, spectators to sort of create the environment obviously football and soccer and all of these sports need it helps to have a big rah-rah group but formula one the engines drown out any of the audience spectator noise anyway yeah surfing you don't need spectator noise golf you don't need spectator noise definitely those are three that make tons of sense right totally. off the top so mo- motorsports golf surfing mm-hmm I'm sure there's some others where it's just so far out in the spheres and in the in the land that you don't need a closed
1: arena type situation. Yep. Um, as opposed to the UFC, which also ran a live event this past weekend, which the fighters feed off of the energy of the crowd. You know, marathon running. Really, pretty boring. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, marathon running. Have you ever done a marathon? No. Ever have you ever run Are I, you a runner i have
0: i started to run during the pan like too. in march i was Me running too. everyone was running you couldn't surf it yeah, was like true. nothing to do but run so i was running i, I decided i hate running mm. but i did it anyway i mean I, I did you know it was like one of those things during the day where you're like
1: oh god i gotta go do this uh what kind of miles were you putting in
0: um maybe two maybe two maybe two one and a half but pretty um hilly lots of hills a lot of stairs like i would run on the beach to some stairs and run the stairs really hard then mix in some like push-ups and some sit-ups and then run some more and then did you uh lose weight i did i was on a i was working out and i still have a membership at orange theory fitness Mm. so i started that literally like three weeks before they closed everything down like i got my little fitness heart monitor thing and i was going to orange theory and getting my heart rate up to this insane Right. So I was all about getting my heart rate up. Then the lockdown happened and I tried to move that to the outside and doing those, these runs that I'm discussing with you now.
1: Um, so I ran a hundred miles in May and I, I was actually like, I, the goal was a hundred. I did 116 and then a hundred miles in June as well, a little bit more than hundred and I'm doing another hundred this month. Right. I know. Good for you. I feel good. Straight was really flat running. Now there's a couple hills. Do you get, hills. you get the runner's high? Do you enjoy mm-hmm. running? Do you get to a place where you're not thinking about it? I'm at the place where I'm not thinking about it. I'm actually at a place where I enjoy it. Oh, like okay. if I then don't, you're hooked. If I don't get the run in, I feel um, not as good throughout maybe, the rest of the day. Maybe you don't
0: rest as good at night either? Totally. totally. Yeah. yeah. And I could see you as a runner. Yeah. I, I mean, see this in your future. Thanks. I could see a running podcast coming down the
1: yeah, park. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I need more podcast. <laughs> you know what people want more? Talking about running. <laughs> they don't, four hours of David talking is not enough every week. Let's give them two more <laughs> Right about running. Yeah. I can't imagine anything. No, I do see one. you as a runner. Well, my build is that of a runner and I used to run kind of throughout my life. I've run yeah. and, but I need it now more than ever. And um, gosh, I love it. It's been really beneficial. So
0: I, I think mm-hmm. I asked you about this, but when, so when you started running and you, in and the, the pandemic started, the lockdown occurred, I was doing intermittent fasting with that. Is that something that you were doing too? Two meals a day, basically? Yeah. 16 hours off?
1: Yeah. No I, food? I've done that since October, like two years ago, a year and a half ago, basically. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing that for longer than I've been running. And I do it about five days a week, I'd say. Yeah. So, and I prefer that too. Wow. Like the days where I actually have breakfast, I think that I'm indulging. And I think this is like, ooh, this is a little thrill. And then I feel crappy. Oh, my God. I don't know why I even do this. I prefer to not yeah. fasting. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah all in an effort to get better at surfing, by the way, like that was the impetus for the, uh, running was, I just, I'm not able to execute. Yeah. I'm not able to execute in surfing the way that I used to. And I feel lethargic and uh, my sessions are shorter and like, I'm not as flexible and it was all weight related. Absolutely. Dropping 20 pounds will get me back into good condition. Not to mention, as
0: you know, that like doing what you did, also creates a certain amount of energy in, for sure. in you,
1: you know, like you're, you're just, you're more vital for sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay. One other listener uh, email. Yes. It was a little bit deeper. Uh-oh. Said I was listening to your podcast where you interviewed the filmmaker from spoons. His name's Wyatt Daly. One thing that struck me was the correlation uh, between the radical change in surfboard design of that era, which corresponded to the time of transformational society change. As the documentary mentions, radical design change was possible because a societal mindset was in a transition, transitory state. Simply, surfers were open-minded and that allowed for new surfboard design concepts to flourish. Our world, our country, our cities, and our surf community seem to be entering such a time now. As such, I was pondering if this is why we have a broader acceptance of alternative designs that we now see in the water. My only hesitation in bringing this up is that the now popular designs seem inspired by the past, from asymmetrics to Torn Martin-inspired twins, etc. Maybe the answer is found more in foils. Tom Curran's skimboards for wave pools or more correctly I have no clue. As such, I would love to hear you both opine on such a matter.
0: Well, it's a great email. It's a thoughtful email and I think there's a ton of truth to what he's saying. I think if there is this like consciousness like a level of consciousness where we're questioning everything, certainly as a society, then as a subculture we might question the boards we ride and change
1: them and go in different ways, you know, different designs. One thing and- Go ahead. Uh, I published an interview with Malcolm Campbell last week. Mm. And one of the things he talks about this exact thing and basically says, because this is relevant to the Chris Morrow conversation that we had two weeks ago. One thing that Malcolm Campbell said was um, professional surfing has done more to hinder surfboard design than progress it because they had that Bonzer design that was revolutionary. From the moment he stood up on it, he goes, oh shoot, the single fin is null and void as a performance design. Yeah. Things are going this way. But the Bonser had limited popularity. It had like little spikes here and there. And it the he views the limitation of its, popularity as being related to what was happening on the professional tour yes because they weren't riding bonzers people kind of stopped paying attention to the bonzers but the people who were riding the bonzers were going dude this is where things are at and the bonzer is just one design so he's thinking man we have a valid design that is being limited by what's happening over here but imagine all the designs that never even got off the ground yeah well there you know he's
0: absolutely right but what's interesting about it if you think about it so the, the bonzer came along and it was, and then pro surfing sort of exploded in like 1975, 76. And everyone was kind of looking for, and, and surfing competition sort of created the board that was ideal for surfing competition. Let's just, for, for this conversation, let's call it the Tri fin And so that limited all these other options like the Bonzer and all these other things for the masses, right? The masses were looking to the media and going, what are all the pros riding? And all the pros are riding three fins. So everyone's going to get a three fin. So what did that do? It set up the manufacturing process so they could manufacture the shit out of three fins. Totally. So there was just, so while it did limit sort of um, I don't want to say one-offs, but design possibilities, it limited design possibilities, it also helped the manufacturing base, the, the manufacturers themselves, the industry, streamline the process so they could just bang out tons of boards. And so it's kind of like six and one half dozen in another. Certainly, there's no doubt that his, his point's valid, that competition
1: did limit sort of thinking outside the box. But to your point, it also uh, allowed manufacturing – To get more boards to more people, which wouldn't have happened if everything was being custom made. Exactly.
0: Now to the email, the other thing I want to say about the email is that he sort of mentioned, well, it seems like we're kind of going back to the old, like mid-lengths and eggs or whatever. And certainly that's true, at least in the phraseology of it. But as you know, when the transition era happened, say 67, 68, 69, Words were changing basically every two weeks. Right. And so they never had time to kind of streamline it. So what we have now is the ability to go back to say like a V bottom and go, good idea. Here's some of the good points of it. Let's not make the V bottom so extreme for one thing. Let's do this, let's do that. Let's make some modern rails. Let's put some modern concaves. Let's let's try to create what we the feeling we wanted out of the V bottom, but do it. And now we have time to kind of, use all we know from the last 30 years and apply it. So n- that's my point, right? Yeah. Now we have the ability to apply 30 years of knowledge into designs that we sort of brushed over so quickly, we just didn't have time to to really excavate them. Right. Yep. Interesting. I don't know if it's interesting, but... It is interesting. Uh, but that's a good email. He wrote a great email. And so then I guess to further with his email, right, his question is, okay, so now we're going through this sort of social unrest and this there's a lot of you know, discourse about where society's going and how does that, is that having an effect on surfboard design? And he was mentioning maybe it's the foils, which it could be, you know, the foil is kind of like a Tesla or it's like SpaceX, you know, and um, maybe the modern round board, what I call a round board or an egg is um, I don't know what's a good car now. Honda
1: Civic or a Honda Prius Accord. maybe or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's so just it's like, like an economical, get you to point A from point A to point B. Right. Way fun to drive, easy to
0: drive, fun yeah. to drive. Yeah. Get You get tons of driving. It's got leather. Catch it's tons got air of, conditioning. Catch tons of road. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Is that a term? <laughs> well, you catch tons of waves, catch tons of road. God, the road is pumping right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome. So Nick Carroll had this article on Surfline. I don't know if you saw it. Nope. I'll break it down. It's basically, he kind of, let me just read a little bit from it if if I may. Nick's article on surfing. It's basically he's kind of talking about either the paradox or the or the contradiction that is surfing and COVID-19. So David, how many times have we heard in a parking lot or maybe we've read on Instagram or we've read on a message board that pro surfing is evil because it's promoting surfing. Therefore the WSL encouraging people into the sport which is causing crowds thus destroying the coolness, the special quality that you and I protect deep within our hearts that surfing is sort of our hidden little secret and we don't want the masses to know about it. That's the evil of the WSL, the promotion of surfing. It's not good. Like we hear this, we see this, we read this. Only surfers know the feeling, right? Mm. Let's keep it that way, Mm. you know? So what's interesting, and this is what Nick basically brought out, is that What has COVID-19 brought us? On the one hand, right now, we have massive numbers of people surfing. The boom in surfing is through the roof. Rip Curl can't keep wetsuits in stock. Guys can't keep boards in stock. Try getting a set of fins online right now. It's impossible. Hard goods are through the roof, right? number of surfers, crazy, right? But on the other hand of that, we've had no surfing competition whatsoever. So it's sort of interesting that forever we've heard that the WSL is bad for surfing as how it relates to our own surfing experience, making it more crowded. Yet we've had seven or eight months of no surfing competitions at all. And it's more crowded than it's ever been. So I thought that as
1: pandemic reaction, number one, I'd like to hear your thoughts. I don't think the two things are connected at all in this scenario. I think the initial, um, conceit is still valid that the WSL and promoting surfing in any way, even this podcast promoting surfing makes the lineup more crowded. I think that conceit is still accurate. The reason why things are crowded right now have nothing to do with the WSL not running. It has to do with people not going into an office. They have more time on their hands than they've ever had before. And so they're surfing with that time. The interesting study, which we will never be able to do, would be if everybody had this much time off, and the WSL was running competitions, would that be more crowded than what it currently is? And I would argue, yeah, it, it very well could be. So it would be more crowded if the WSL if was it, still running was run. and people had all this time on their hands. Yeah, right. that's what I would guess. Well, by the way,
2: I want
0: to make sure the listeners know that this isn't necessarily the point Nick Carroll was making that these two things, um, you know, have a connection. Yep. But um, he was basically saying it's interesting, you know, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. And, and I would agree, I think it is. So pandemic reaction number two, does the WSL actually provide a place for the norms and the boundaries of surfing to be set? In other words, now that we have all these newbies in the water, basically they got nothing to do. They go to Costco, they buy their wave storms, they get a wetsuit from the surf ride or whatever. They paddle out, they're completely clueless. And I'm asking you, isn't it true that the WSL through its broadcast team, through its commentators, even if they do it unbeknownst to them, but just through their anecdotes, through the anecdotal discussion of wave priority and who has priority and Joe Trappell and... Peter Mell and Martin Potter talking about, like I say, anecdotes, anecdotal stories. Through that process, do you think that norms and understanding of what's right and wrong is getting through to you and I and to the newcomer that's watching the WSL? And if not, isn't it true that those norms are just nowhere to be found? Yes, it's entirely true. And so you're saying the WSL, I'm suggesting to you that the lack of the WSL hurts this even more that there are no norms being, the, the little bit of norm, I'm not saying they're the only place where you got norms, but it was one that's place that the entire global community got together and watched and listened, and we could pick up, even subconsciously, that, oh, you know what, the guy on the inside does get thrown right away. that's just the way it is, okay, I get it now. You know, I'm not saying that they were proactively going, and we're right. gonna tell you what the rules are, but just through them talking, just through discussion of 35, 40 years of surf experience, as a newcomer, I know when I was a newcomer, I picked up everything I could out of the surf magazines on the right way and the wrong way to do things. It So, um, but magazines are gone. They're the only place you exactly. get that the global tribe gets that is it's from the one thing that we all look at, which is the WSL. It's interesting.
1: Uh, yeah, I think there is some validity to what you're saying. Um, I did that interviews with surf shop owners for shack a while back, uh, podcast series. And that was the number one thing that a lot of those owners were saying is the surf shop used to be the cultural hub where you would learn etiquette. You'd go in there, kids, as a kid, you'd go in there intimidated and you're looking around and who's the saltiest guy and who's the guy who got those set waves at the pier that morning or whatever. And that's who you look up to and take cues from and then stay out of their way in the water and watch their etiquette and all that sort of. And they're, isn't the surf shop, isn't that hub anymore for cultural, like uh, oration, sharing that information. Yeah. You're, and then magazines are gone. Right. And so where do you get it? And, and actually even
0: local surfing events like NSSAs and those, as a kid, you get some of that, those norms from those places too, because there's elders around and there's people that have been doing it a certain way. All of these things have been eliminated from the newbie's totally. perspective of, of how to do Nobody's saying, hey man.
1: There's nobody teaching etiquette. Nobody. And the etiquette has v- evaporated from the lineup. Completely. I mean, you can, you can probably attest to this too. Oh my God. I don't surf down where you do, but in my local spots, it's like, dude, anything goes. Yeah, Like people burn people. You watch any footage from Malibu. Malibu has always been kind of the worst. Yeah, Malibu's a weird but, one. but you can be the best surfer in the lineup. With priority, eight guys will drop in on you. Yeah. And some of them know exactly what they're doing and they're doing it intentionally. And then some of them have no clue. It's yeah. just a complete free-for-all. I think Malv is a bit of an anomaly though, but- But it's, it's kind of the best an example of it. Right, okay, maybe. Okay, so maybe it's the worst example of it because it's an anomaly, but, but whatever. But the point is, the point all is, of the yeah. places,
0: and I'm suggesting maybe the cell was the biggest one for the global tribe to pick up subconsciously norms and rules. And you mentioned surf shops. So WSL Surf Shops magazines. You're not going to get it on Instagram. I'm not seeing it. Maybe, the, maybe kook of the day, but not really. They're just showing people falling. It's mostly like rock jumps gone bad. <laughs> you just know not to go into a bagel shop with your full suit on. That's about it. <laughs> so the, those plates, there's nobody really saying, hey, no. you guys are blowing
1: we, Dude, we need to d- dedicate a segment I on agree. This show. That's
0: what I was, I was thinking This Let's yesterday. do this. I was talking to a guy. I'm Boom. like,
1: maybe we're the guys that need to tell people what the f- hell's up. I love this idea. Yes. Okay. Uh, what are we calling this segment? I'm making a note for future shows. Um, how about Norms with Norm? Who's Norm? I don't know. Just some character we're
0: gonna.
1: <laughs> uh, Surf etiquette 101. I mean, uh, that's a terrible title, that but is. that's the that's the idea title? behind it. Yeah. That's the idea behind it. Okay. Um, so what's what's your number don't one? Don't be a kook.
0: Nah. Look, we're going to have to chew on the title. we to have to we'll workshop up, this. But, but, but what's the number? What's today's lesson? <laughs> Just give me a basic hey, one.
1: Hey, how hard is it um, with cameras running and with microphones to come up with like snappy things? Like this, Fucked. it really is. It's an ad- added challenge. I feel like if we were just having a conversation mm-hmm. over coffee, we could come up with it in five seconds. I don't know.
0: Just the fact that I put shit in my hair for this like pissed me off. Did you mouth. really? Yeah. Look, I fucking. I
1: told them to come camera ready. Yeah. And uh I like it. Lame. You got the polo. I, I'm, gonna, got I'm gonna just roll hair. up
0: as is. You're gonna just get pure, unadulterated Scott yeah. from now on. I don't know if I. Although take there it. will be a mask. <laughs> I don't know if I could take it. No, you've seen it a million times. I know. I, in all I know. That's my point. I'm at my wit's end. Sometimes I come in barefoot. A lot of times, I <laughs> A lot of times you do. Um,
1: well, on. I like it. So we've really done some good work here. We are going to improve, yeah, disseminate surf lineups, information. Surf lineups around the world. We are going to improve. What's that. the first thing?
0: How about maybe this is the wrong first one, but it'd be hard to pick the here's first. Here's my thought. The first, the I most think, important. I think I'm conflicted. I think wave storms are lame. Mm. I think they're lame. But I also There's look no conflict? and I but I also look at them like like if my daughter's like, what should I do? I'd be like, go get a wave storm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I think the softboard is a good idea. I think the wave storm's a bad one. So my first oh, okay. lesson is gonna be this. Don't go into Costco and buy a hundred dollar wavestorm. Go somewhere, I don't know if it's online or go to Surfride or Hanson's or your local surf shop or Jack's or wherever it is. And get either, like, an INT or get a softboard that's that's at least, like,
1: created by some guys that are in the surf world. Look. Is, uh, that,
0: is that a bad first?
1: No, no. Because it seems so like. So, the ones, like, Almond Surfboards has a killer one. There you go. Al- uh, album. These have contours on the bottom. They have uh, F. Futures fin boxes usually. So yeah. you can put good fins in them. They have edges on the rail. Yeah. The bottom is a different type of foam, like a harder, uh, but not that like.
0: I know my friend Louis Hayward's coming up with some new resins. They're which good. Are,
1: yeah. They're they're very really incre- good. They're way, they they're, have straight embedded. The level embedded. of
0: performance is what David's getting at. Yeah. The level of performance is so much better when you go to an INT you or. Can, you can do or turns or, on those boards. Yeah, absolutely. And bank and off sections. Album, and you stuff. mentioned um, Almond. Almond. So that's what you want.
1: However, yeah, that's four times the price as the the Wavestorm. The reason why people are buying Wavestorms is because they're hundred bucks and disposable. Right, I know. Well, I'm just which is a bad thing. I
0: I get it. That's why I was like, that's why I'm conflicted. Yeah, that's why I'm conflicted. Yep. But should our (laughs) we don't even know what our first lesson is? I think our first lesson should be softboards are okay. Don't get a wave storm. As a beginner, if you're a newbie, if you're aspiring.
1: I think our first lesson- If you're 10 years old, 12 years old. First rule of Fight Club. Yeah. Our first lesson is not to make the rule about soft tops. Good idea. You can't have a surf etiquette and the first thing being about soft tops. I agree. It was a bad idea. That's why I said I was
0: conflicted. Terrible. Okay. Maybe we just edit this whole segment out. But listeners know we don't Uh, don't edit this show. No. Although I noticed you did edit a little bit out from the last show. What did I edit out? I was talking about St. Francis. I didn't edit that out. Oh, really? I I was listening. I didn't. I said St. Francis, and then all of a sudden it went to something else. No. No, I didn't edit that out. What's the first rule? It's definitely not about wave storms, which are lame, in my opinion, but it has nothing to do with etiquette. That's more of like an opinion on purchase. So we'll
1: just – here's a – brainstorming five ideas okay. that among where the first rule should come from this kind of segment of things. Uh, learn how to get, learn the basics. How about where to learn? Learn the basics like duck diving, uh, not burning people, not back paddling, all that before you move to the peak. Right. So go but
0: before f- you do that, you need a place to do that. Like you don't want to do that at Swami's. You don't want to do no, that exactly. at Lowers. That's my point. So if you're learning Stay to on surf, the let's, let's name some g- really good places to learn to surf.
1: San Onofre.
0: Da- just down the beach. San- yeah. Just down the beach, period. No down matter where you're at, down the, down the beach. Down the beach. Down the beach. There's a bunch of people, that's not for you. Exactly. Down the beach. But there are some really great places. Like, so you mentioned Doheny a great place to learn. If somebody gives you a shit for learning a Doheny, they're a kook.
1: Yeah. If somebody's like somebody's vying pulling you. rank yeah. at Doheny, they need to move on. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So Doheny
0: is a good place to learn, right? Yeah. Universally. San Onofre is a good place to learn universally. Waikiki. Waikiki. Well, specifically, um, canoes, right? Yeah. It's the, the place. Yeah. Um, so there's a few. So our point is the lesson number one is if you're learning, find a spot that's good for learners that's set up for learners and agreed. we've mentioned a few agreed uh the problem is people think
1: that howls excuse me for interrupting i just came to mind cows is a great spot to learn people think that they've advanced to intermediate before they actually have and that's when they make their way out into the the peak yeah but then a set comes and they don't know which direction to paddle and they get in the way and i so the, rule number two yeah the better surfer is allowed to tell you where your place is in the lineup because in that moment where there's somebody who paddles the wrong way and they block you or they get sucked over the falls uh because they can't duck dive and your life is in danger because of them you as the better surfer are entitled to tell them go back to the inside coat <laughs> that that's that's
0: there's a slippery slope there but um there's a certain way you need to talk to people and it's kook. not, no, no, You no. end it with kook every no, no. time. You That's need to how. speak to them with understanding and tolerance.
1: Yeah. You're lucky I didn't punch you. <laughs> Go back on the inside, kook. No, here's
0: real number two. Lesson number two. Before you paddle out to a so-called like legitimate surf spot, wherever it is, you need to be able to swim out to as far outside as possible and swim back in.
2: Mm, if you can't do that
0: don't even think about paddling your board out great rule yeah
1: great rule thank you
0: uh rule number three yeah
1: let a few waves go
0: i don't think if you're learning even you're
1: so worried about catching one i know i'm embedding this into the new population of novices that are coming out so once they're in the lineup they're letting waves go and then i swoop full conspiracy theory (laughs) michael
0: thompson yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Thompson, apparently, sadly, it looks like he has throat cancer. And uh, Matt Warsaw wrote something pretty... I loved Matt Warshaw's piece. I did
1: too. I actually was going to read a little yeah. bit of it. I, I, did, I was mind. too. I, no, I, I, was I edited too. it down so it's not, oh, okay. You, Let's share. You say a word, then I say a word and we'll I'm going to read a whole, paragraph. And then I'll read. I'm, okay. just,
0: I'm just messing like with well, you. You read it. Rule number three of podcasting. Never do that. <laughs>
2: okay.
0: <laughs> Always share articles. Michael Thompson. This is from Matt Warshaw and I've boiled it down a little bit. Michael Thompson was overwhelming in all things for better or worse. I used the past tense, which is not technically right. Although, week before last, I got message that he had advanced throat cancer, that he was alive but in bad shape and not expected to recover. According to Warshaw, Michael's legacy is and always will be divided into three parts. The easy, uncomplicated foundational part was built by wave by grinding wave at Pipeline in the winter of 75 and 76. At the epochal free-riding moment in time, Michael was, let's say, 60% the surfer that his cousin Sean Thompson was in terms of raw talent. Was that hard to live with? Probably. But my guess is that playing second banana throughout his formative years to a younger and slightly better looking relative had much to do with what Michael Thompson achieved in his career, beginning at Pipeline, where he never out Sean but often outgritted him. Michael was a bullet full charge with six Banderellas stuck in his back. The second part of Michael Thompson's legacy is Gotcha. The energy pouring forth from Gotcha's Costa Mesa, Costa Mesa headquarters month after month, the sheer creative horsepower, the audacity was miles ahead of any surf commerce entity. And I don't just mean Quicksilver and Billabong, but all of it the mags, the board makers, filmmakers, everything. It's only a slight exaggeration to say the whole sport was slipstreaming behind Michael and Gotcha. The third and final part of Michael Thompson's legacy will be his enduring and literally all-consuming cocaine addiction, which Chaz Smith calls, "quote, quoting Chaz Smith here, Shakespearean, a forty-year dance." End quote. Michael Thompson's longtime friend Phil Jarrett. Wrote about this addiction in 2015. And Michael Thompson himself unapologetically spoke of his drug use and much more during a conversation with Chaz Smith less than three years ago. I hope that Michael Thompson is further remembered and lauded for the way he happily, eagerly, relentlessly left surfing for Paris, Tokyo, New York, design studios, clubs, foreign magazine racks. Michael Thompson. He's dying. He has throat cancer. And uh, that was Matt Warshaw's words.
1: Did you ever uh, spend time with Michael?
0: No. Only very peripherally, like at events. Um, me from afar. Always gazing at him. I was always... To me, Michael Thompson has a lot of Mickey Dora in him. Mm-hmm. He's, he's got a lot of like, anti-hero. You kind of looked at him and went, fuck that guy. And then I found myself going, that guy's kind of fucking cool. <laughs>
1: Look... I think um, this is why we love surfing. Characters like Michael, characters yeah. like Dora, yeah. Um, there's a and, many. Andy Irons, Al there's, Chapman, there's endless.
0: Christian Fletcher, there's a bunch of them. But our characters, uh, go ahead, I'm sorry.
1: No, the do you want to model your life after them is a different question, right? right. So we love them as these people that are kind of culture makers for yes. us, and that we have as these. I don't know, paragons. Well, they're the strands of, they're threads in this weave,
0: this web of surf culture that make it such a thick and enduring
1: thing. It's how you want to, it's kind of like how I would like to live my life if I had no um, responsibility to my family. Or you weren't accountable for the actions. That's what it is. I referenced Fight Club earlier. This is exactly uh, Jack, the Jack character, Edward Norton, his persona that his his, you know, his um, whatever alter ego basically Mm -hmm. is Brad Pitt. He's better looking. He likes fighting. He's banging the chicks, like all that. So he can live it out in his head in this fantasy land or in real life as it turns out. But he doesn't want to actually have the consequence. I think Chaz actually summed it up really beautifully in the final sentence of that piece. Matt quotes Chaz saying, I'm not bold enough to be Michael Thompson. So I need him to be Michael Thompson for me. To hell with the price, physical, financial, emotional, mental, that he has to pay. <laughs> I agreed. That
0: was a wonderful sentence. And, and I have it here, but I left it out. But yeah, um, that was perfect. And that speaks to sort of this Mickey Dora thing, you know? Exactly.
1: Um, there was another, one of the things Michael said about surfing pipe was, uh, how did Michael get ready for pipe? Easy. Surf Yamea. Michael said, quote, after Waimea, it makes going back to pipeline much easier and sunsets a joke after pipe. That that last
0: part was interesting, right? Yeah. I've never surfed pipeline proper, so, uh, but.
1: uh, Um, I loved also the final line, from matt about for 35 years i've been both awestruck and ambivalent about michael thompson he is tragic and fantastical but familiar his love of surfing is mine his nihilism is a distant cousin to my mostly outgrown but still vibrantly recalled selfishness maybe some of you feel the same way
0: yeah i think he both he and Chaz did a great job of summarizing our all of our feelings about michael thompson yeah the um By the way, um, let me just say this as it comes to my mind. My friend Royce Kanzler, you know Royce, he has nothing but absolute like, glowing things to say about the creativity that came out of Gotcha. Royce was right there in its heyday. And it was just mind-blowing how how outside of the box Michael
1: Thompson was from a
0: creative standpoint.
1: Uh, Did Royce work there? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, So that... I think Matt kind of referenced it in there, where uh, Michael wasn't taking cues from surfing; he was taking them from Paris, and you know all these big city where there was like actual fashion progression happening yeah. on runways and stuff yeah. like that. Um, gotcha was sort of cosmopolitan, but exactly. with
0: inside this subculture of surfing,
1: with the best team ever, dude.
0: Oh yeah, crazy. I mean, yeah, and just really cool ads, yeah. and just the whole thing was just. You either loved it or hated it, Mm -hmm. but you couldn't hate it because it was so raw and true to the spirit. Yeah. Um,
1: You completely left out Matt's intro. I left out a bunch. I said (laughs) I boiled it down. I know. I liked Matt's. um, I didn't want to read verbatim. I thought that would be too long and boring. We don't need to read it, but Matt was dating uh, Michael's girlfriend before Michael had broken, before they had broken up. Basically, Matt was the interloper in Michael's relationship. Right, can you imagine like a completely coked out
0: Michael Thompson, (laughs) super pissed off, coming over to your house at four in the morning, banging on your window, screaming for Sheila.
1: Totally, (laughs) Matt's told me that story or he's referenced it before that, yeah, it was like Michael would be gone for long periods of time. And I think the girl, I I don't know if I got this right or not. But but just go with it. I'll (laughs) go with it anyways. The girl was driving Michael's Porsche and so, she'd be hanging out at Matt's house cause Matt was reliable and always in town and Michael would be gone all the time. And, um, so then Michael, you know, seeing, identifying the Porsche there was kind of the problem.
2: Right. People
1: knew that was Michael's Porsche and it was always at Matt's house and Michael was gone sort of thing. <laughs> so, um, oh my. at any rate, best wishes to Michael Thompson. Yeah, um, and so Matt, what
0: the prognosis is. Well, Matt
1: said, Oh gosh. Um, yeah, the throat cancer fault. Fo- he had matt got a message that michael had advanced throat cancer followed by a second message that he had already died and then a third message saying that he was still alive but in bad shape and not expected to recover so that seems to be the status uh so our thoughts are with michael thompson and may his uh whatever remains of his life be it short or long be peaceful yeah Peace, Um, peace be with you i've got a question for you yeah You referenced him playing second banana to uh, Sean Thompson. Mm -hmm. That pipeline, yeah. What's second banana? Where does that phrase come from? (laughs) What's the origin of that?
0: Well, look, the first banana is always ripe and killer. The second banana is always a little brown. and not It's kind of mushy. My
1: bananas that come in a bunch ripen at the same time. If they're in the bunch, they ripen at the same time. You can have second banana be equally as ripe. I don't think that's where the phrase comes from. Second banana, bro. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure where it comes from, but uh, it's,
0: it's a curious statement. It must come from the second banana is not as good, obviously, of course. right? I so mean, that's that what means the The second banana is mushy. The second banana, you eat the first banana the first day. By the time the second day rolls around, the second banana, which was good on the first day, but you were already full, second day, now you're eating it, it's mushy and brown and
1: mm. it's just not as good. I wonder, so. I'm gonna turn this phrase on its head. Sean Thompson's great, but what if he ate that banana day one was actually, you thought you liked a certain level of ripeness. You go to day two and it's a little more ripe and you go, oh my gosh, this is actually a little sweeter. This would be great in banana bread. This would make better pancakes. This would be better in a smoothie. The second banana has more versatility. Which is true of Michael Thompson. That's what I'm saying. Right. Let me ask you. He this. does play second banana because the second banana is the better banana, as it turns out. Okay, what about this? Talk to me. Is this banana, does Michael, banana related? Does Michael Thompson play second fiddle? To Sean Thompson. <laughs> now we do know where that phrase comes from. Help me out. Well, in an orchestra, there's first chair and there's second chair.
0: Right.
1: Not that the fiddle is in an orchestra. I don't think a <laughs> fiddle. I don't think a fiddle has a role. It in is in your orchestra. Confederate orchestra. <laughs> uh, you know what's funny is. This second banana analogy goes deep because Sean Thompson's famous pink surfboard that he wrote at Pipeline was, was the banana. banana. Right. The design was called the banana. Right. So maybe Matt, maybe that was an intentional analogy on Matt's part. Matt's pretty it. smart. It could have been intentional.
0: He is smart, but that's... That was a pink that's banana. That's like though. four levels deep. Yeah, that's true.
1: Um, so what... Uh, mm-hmm. I had a connection there. somewhere in in that story something made me want to talk about jake patterson i forget what it was but jake patterson's retiring from coaching um (laughs) is that even a story yeah it is actually (laughs) i don't know if you're aware in australia do you remember when there used to be a world championship tour and they had coaches coaching professional surfers Uh, to
0: this day i've told you the story about his brother paul and my wife no. You don't know this story? No, is I'm this sure like Matt Warshaw's story? No, no, no. <laughs> so I'm at Castles, right? I'm at the Outrigger Canoe Club. And and we're doing stand-up paddling. And it's like me and Todd Bradley and Paul Patterson. And I, maybe Jake Patterson was there too. And um, I forget, a bunch of guys. And, and we're doing Outrigger Canoe surfing. We've got a big old badass Outrigger Canoe, right? And so my wife jumps in the canoe and Todd Bradley's the steering guy. And there's like Brian Kailana and Paul Patterson's in the boat. And I'm just stand up paddle surfing while they're certain sur- And it's pumping. It's like eight foot castles. You know, it's like, and, and Todd, Todd Bradley, these guys, Brian, they're just frothing. And Sam George is there too, I think. And they catch a wave and it's a huge castles wave. And I'm off to the side, you know, hundred yards down surfing another spot and I'm watching them and the, the canoe flips Oof. and my wife's in the canoe. And so immediately they all go, Katrina, are you okay? Are you okay? And she's like, yeah, 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 I'm fine. And they're, and they're like, and they're all spread out and they've got to flip the canoe back over. It's a big ass canoe. Oh, yeah. And they're like, look, Katrina, just stay here. Just stay here. You're safe here in this little area. Just stay here. We'll come back and get you. And meanwhile, I catch this killer left and I surf past my wife and I <laughs> surf on the inside. <laughs> And I paddle, eventually I paddle up to her and, she, and I'm like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. And I'm like, okay, well, what's going on? They said, she goes, well, they said they're going to come get me. And I'm like, oh, okay, good, cool. And I just paddle back out, you know? <laughs> and apparently I've never lived down the fact that Paul Patterson eventually paddled up and saved my wife from, you know, the situation, you know? And she's yeah. like, you just paddle right past <laughs> me. Paul Patterson Freaking paddled up to me and saved me, you know? That's so, hilarious. I'll never live that down. To this day, like she'll just be like, Oh, like the time in the canoe when you didn't rescue me. Hilarious,
1: yes. dude. It's not good. And yesterday when we had our phone meeting or our Zoom meeting, you're out working in the yard hard, you come in for the meeting, she brings you an Arnold Palmer. Yes. She is she is the secret behind your success. Oh, no, absolutely there is
0: no question. There is no doubt.
1: I was like, gosh, how yeah, what a sweetheart.
0: She's unreal. She's great. We love
1: it. Helping her. Helping quench your thirst. Yeah. Anyway, that's um, my Jake secret Patterson, behind the Paul boardroom Patterson. show too.
0: Right. The secret behind the boardroom show. Totally.
1: Yeah. Unsung hero. Uh, that's, fu- that's a funny story. She <laughs> should probably tell it. I bet she tells it better than I do. Yeah. I uh,
0: left out some crucial moments <laughs> where uh, she was actually saying, help, help. And, and I paddled past her cause it was pumping. It was like
1: super good. Like, wait, honey, I want to get another I one. I was kind of in the, I was in a very selfish mode. There's no doubt. <laughs> um, the detail I was going to connect with Jake Patterson was um, Matt was talking about Michael Thompson outgritting Sean. Yeah, you know Sean. Yeah. It all came naturally to Sean, but Michael put in the hard work and the hard yards. So Jake, well, I think Sean took off deeper, and I mean, I
0: think Michael took off deeper and took more pounding. Sure, at pipe and was kind of known. Like if you talk to Phil Jarrett, he was kind of known as as a hell guy out there. Like mm-hmm. he was kind of a hell man. Like he. Yeah, you know, he probably only made three out of ten waves, but totally. he just took off deep and he knew charged. he needed to because he yeah. didn't have the natural ability. Or Sean was maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit more picking off the better ones, and maybe you know, just I don't know, maybe a little bit more on the shoulder. Or, or he much.
1: just reads the ocean better.
0: Yeah, maybe you know? a better surfer. But so, no, I mean, I don't want to say at pipe. I I bet if I bet if you you know at pipe, I don't know. Look, like, I I just
1: know that. Michael Thompson freaking was a hell charger. So my point, though, is Jake Patterson uh, admitted he's a far better coach than he ever was a surfer. And despite him having won events, I think even Pipe, pipe Masters, right? Yeah, in 90, Pipe he, masters. Yeah, he
0: won, he won a bunch of events. He yeah. was a
1: competitive animal. So that's what he said. He goes, look, I knew. He goes, I came out of West Oz. Like, I knew I was never going to be Tajboro I was never going to be those guys. But I could run. Hills in the sand, way harder than Taj could, and I could go harder than Taj could, and that ultimately made yeah. was was what Jake yeah. attributes. He's kind of an Adriano de Souza of he Australia. Said, he said, "Jadson and Andre." He goes, "You look at Jadson and Andre nowadays, or or always. Yeah. He's at the beach all day, every day. If it's not working out in the back room, it is studying every single heat." Yeah. it's understanding where everybody's headspace. he's in the back like reading people's emotions and where yeah. they're at he is unbelievably good at working yeah. you know yeah and because he realized early on that he that's what he was going to have to do so he said that jake was saying that's what made him a good coach was um being able to apply and uh kind of foster all of those work ethic details into Griffin Colapinto and Kano Igarashi and the people that he worked with. Well, I think so I thought that gr- was really interesting. Absolutely.
0: And one of the great Travis Sham mockeries of the WSL is that them not allowing him to be a voice.
1: He's a great voice.
0: He was incredible. Now, his actual tone might be a little tough sometimes, but he is, has so much in-depth... Uh, like storytelling, anecdotes, just all those things that you mentioned, all the hard work that he's done, like all the people that he's met, and he was valuable. Yep. and I miss the fact that you could. I mean, yeah, he might kind of riff from the cuff a little bit, maybe, which is great. So what? You know, maybe, maybe sometimes he's he's not politically
1: correct. Perhaps. Well, it'll get you in trouble nowadays. Yeah, I mean, but, you can't let that happen in yeah, this modern. Know, but
0: I, he he's missed. I agree. He's Completely. missed. I mean, how many generic vanilla broadcasters, I need a Johnny Miller. And Jake was the Johnny Miller. He he was going to let people know what it was all about, how he felt about their surfing, because he'd
1: done it. He'd been there. He'd won. That's needed. I agree. Um, So in other coaching news, Brett Simpson just got promoted to become the first ever Olympic head coach for Team USA. Um, Presuming the Olympics do take place in 2021, Brett Simpson will be the head coach for USA Surfing. Congrats, Brett Simpson.
0: All right. No, that'll be fun to watch. See how that goes. Um, I'm a fan. Yeah. Brett's the best. He's a
1: great guy, and he's a big sports guy. His dad was a professional uh, football player. Rams, for the right? LA Rams, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, and Brett, by the way, uh, still, I mean, he might be surfing better now than he was yeah. on tour. I mean, he's unbelievably shredding.
0: Yeah. yeah. So. No doubt that he surfs incredible. Um, See time, U.S. Open winner.
1: Back to back. Man, that was insane. That was I was one year it was like twelve foot against Mick Fanning too.
0: Remember they were toning in Slater? That was when it was the Hurley Pro, I think.
1: Yep. I was there. I was too. I was there. Slater getting barreled on that left closeout into the pier, got a ten point ride. Do you remember that? Vaguely. Gnarly. Yeah. Gnarly. I wasn't
0: as impressionable as you.
1: Well, dude, I surf there all the time and I, days like that i'm like i can't even make the paddle out like this is a nightmare of running water from south to north i'll paddle out like at first street get blown through the pier get out of the water at the cliffs have to walk back two miles it's not even worth going out i'm gonna go try to find a nook in the coast down around newport in the jetties where i can find like a four foot wave because this is like unsurfable and then to see slater Yeah, paddle, but they had they had tow assist they did but guys were still paddling out yeah. and getting waves and then paddling back out. Like, yeah. so to see Slater paddle out and then get a gnarly left barrel into the pier and get a 10 point ride was freaking. Yeah, that it's was like, insane. oh wow, that's different. You
0: know what else was cool was the expression session where they had like 10 guys and you know 10 skis gone. Do you remember that? Not like a Hurley I pro mean, expression I session. I,
1: I remember being like water world chaos pandemonium, yeah. but I don't remember any mo- maneuvers or anything that yeah. anybody did. Uh, but I do remember the as the swell died and we could not believe that Brett was like making it through heats in the final day and then he drew Mick Fanning in the final and you're like, uh, I mean, he'll lose to Mick, but this is kind of amazing. And him taking out Mick, him getting the first right that he got that like against the grain right yeah. and like comboing the thing and then doing an air on the inside section. Yeah. like. He landed it like yeah. insane. That was such. That was kick. a
0: full Kobe moment. It him. really was. Yeah. That was his Kobe moment. Cause the whole, as you know, well, maybe the listeners don't know, but that's his hometown. So the hometown, actually, it's interesting talking about a sport that does need spectators. I mean, I think the spectators lifted Brett to a new level that day.
1: Agreed. And by the way, he named his kid Kobe. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> so Kobe's a good analogy. Um, Not Scales not Lee it not could David have, could have I think future generations we can look forward to lots of scales on the horizon in the future <laughs> scales Simpson <laughs> I mean it suits the surfing thing right if you like a fish sure right yeah just move through the water all live. all scaly scaly Kelly <laughs> uh, Kelly Slater's on The Greatness Code on Apple Plus so The Greatness Code is a new series on Apple Plus where they're interviewing sports greats about their greatest moments um, or epiphany breakthrough moments in their career. Do you have any idea what Kelly's was? His breakthrough moment in his career? Oh, yeah, I do. I have a bunch of ideas. break, break down, break down and breakthrough. Oh, well, it must've been the,
0: the moment at Chopu. Nope. 2005. Was it? Nope. It's not one that you
1: would even identify.
0: Oh, okay. So he breaks down emotionally and it helps him break through. Does it have to do with his surf career? Or is it okay? Um,
1: Let's see. I don't think you'll identify. Okay. Like, would I even know it if you said it? Would I go, oh yeah? You would. And the funny thing is the person that it's in reference to, you mentioned last week when we recorded. I don't know. Tell me who. Um, Watching Danny Wills lose at Pipeline. I think it might've been 98. uh, And that allowing Kelly to, yeah, 98. And that allowing Kelly to lock down his fifth world title. And it was more to do with the number five in Kelly's head. Like that's what he wanted to do because Michael... Uh, Richard's had four. Mark Richards. Mark, sorry, had four. Right. Michael
0: Richards is a, was the character, one of the characters on Seinfeld. Cosmo Kramer. Right. Right. Different than Mark Richards. Both different tall, than Michael Thompson.
1: Both a little awkward. True. Uh, you're right. Gangly, I would say, yeah. <laughs> had a certain gangle to him. Right. Um, but Kelly had the number five in his head ever since he was a kid. So that was almost more important to him than number one was world title and so he's on the beach danny wills was because of the way the math was working it's like if danny lost this heat yeah that kelly would win it but kelly was still gonna have to surf in the event after that and so watching danny lose kelly had a full breakdown like crying his eyes out and tom carroll was really into yoga and tom's like dude you need to surf you need to get your act together if you're going to go out and win this event and surf So he does 10 minutes of yoga with Kelly and reset Kelly's mindset. Kelly got all Zen and went out there and handled his business. Nice. So, but the Nick, uh, Danny wills moment is the moment. Um, but you mentioned Danny wills last week when we were talking about, yeah, what were we talking about? Ra- Revel, I think, is the no. new the new series. Yeah. The reality exactly. show series exactly. that's going to be in Australia. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like- and Danny Wills is going to be one of the guys yeah. surfing in it. And you're yeah. like, that guy's probably still shredding.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, in 2000, he was, I think he was number one in the world at one point.
1: Yeah, I think he was too. And
0: he had one year that was like. I went to, uh, I think in 99, he won Tavarua. Okay. And the, the next year in 2000, I was on Tavarua for the contest i was i was surfer sent me there and i remember danny wills was on all the posters you know all the quicksilver pro at Tavarua posters whatever Uh, he didn't win that year but he mean he so my point is 2000 so it's two so it's 2020 now 20 years from then so he was probably 20 so he's probably 45 that makes sense i mean when you're 45 45 is the new 35 well if you're keeping fit and you're sur- like you're still surfing really good at forty five.
1: And that guy's fundamentals were so sound. Yeah, like that kind of um, style of surfing. Yeah, do you think there's doesn't break your back? Room for for like a
0: champions tour type of thing. Like, would you want to see like Yeah, I do think there. Like, is. I could see Taylor Knox versus Danny Wills versus Tom Carroll. Maybe Tom's getting a little old. No, Tom's still. still Tom, shredding. Yeah, Tom. Yeah. And, and I know Brad, like, Gerlach would be Brad good, would be you know. What about something, like, let's bring in a nemesis like Richie Collins. Do you think Richie Collins has still got it? I'm, I would I'm want not a black at, hat. Not at that level. I want a black hat like Richie Collins. Shane I'm Bashan. Like. Bashin probably still kills it, I think. He does. Yeah. yeah. So that'd be fun. Like, But that's just kind of our demographic. Like, those were the guys that were super hot when we were, you know, 25 years old or whatever.
1: No, I remember when they ran the Masters in was it the Canary islands last year? I don't know where it was, but, um, last year or the year before. Um, and that got more views than whatever the main CT event was happening at the time. Cause I remember people talking about that. Like, wow.
0: See, I think those masters guys, they need more than any of the other surfers. They need really good waves. Like I'd like to see a a master's event at G land. Yeah. You know, like six to eight foot G land
1: speaking. Oh, so one of the competitors, Jake Patterson would be epic in that. Yes, Jake Patterson. Absolutely. He'd fit right in there.
0: And Shane Beshin, I know Shane won g that one year when it was all time. Mental, did he? Yeah, he won, I don't know what year, was it 98 or I don't mm. even remember, but. Yeah. Anyway, maybe um, that's just our demo. Maybe that would bore the crowd. No,
1: it wouldn't. That's what my point is, is that it got more views than the CT did in that moment. Huh. You know, the, whatever the last event was. Um, so one other follow-up you were talking about last week the your duke was the two surfers who are stuck on can Dewey. yeah i've got a story from him killer michael c from stab interviewed anthony Filligan. sure i'm just gonna say it fast Filligan yeah. uh is a pro-ish surfer from santa teresa costa rica so I'll kind of read verbatim from Mikey a little bit. He says, uh, he's also one of the luckiest humans on earth. Having spent the entire COVID episode thus far hunkered down in what is commonly regarded as the most wave rich Island chain in the world in its prime surfing season. Since early March, Anthony has been stationed on Kandui Island. Some of the waves on and surrounding Kandui include no Kandui rifles, eBay pit Stop, bank vaults, hideaways, playgrounds, etc. Due to COVID and the subsequent Mentua shutdown, um, Anthony has been surfing all of these waves alone or with only one or two people for the past four months. He had an, <laughs> he had an opportunity to chat with Anthony. So he mm-hmm. actually gets a little interview. Anthony said, My original plan was to stay for a couple of weeks and then jump around Indonesia for a couple of months. I decided to take a break from the QS. <laughs> that was a good decision, by the way, <laughs> since we've never heard of his name and the QS. <laughs> he was like ranked We're 200 for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And focus on surfing, free, free surfing and stacking clips and um, spend some time in this part of the world. Once the world started closing down with the virus, the owner of Kandui, Ray, asked me to stay uh, and surf with his family and try to shoot this area with nobody around. So Ray actually invited Anthony out for a little promotional video. All like, day, Ray. You're going to be the guy who we build our promotional video around because you surf great. Whatever. I love that guy, all day, Ray. So I arrived at Candui on March 17th Remember March 17th? Things were getting nuts. Lockdown. I flew home from Kauai on March 15th, and it was sketch. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I thought I might have got stuck in Kauai. Uh, flight got delayed like eight or nine hours, stuck in the airport. People were freaking out. Anyways, he flew there on March 17th, and only five days later, the Indonesian government announced that they were shutting down the border. Costa Rica also recommended that its citizens return home. It seemed like such an easy decision to stay, but I was a bit nervous about what to do since I didn't have any idea of when I was gonna be able to leave Indonesia and return home to Costa Rica. After talking with day Ray, I made the decision to stay and I have never been happier in my life. I miss my family, friends, my hometown of Santa Teresa a lot, but I've been able to talk with them every day and knowing that they are safe makes all the difference in the world. Uh, when Indonesia announced its surfing ban in April, it was pretty heavy since April, May, and June are three of the better months out of the year. So it was going to be impossible to sit here. It'd be torture to watch perfect waves. But Ray had constant contact with the government and was able to get approval for a couple of sessions in our direct area because we're super isolated and far away from the villages. We posed no threat to that community. The surfing ban was officially lifted on June 20th. So we've been surfing every day since then. He said, I've been surfing mostly the bigger stuff with Ray and it's mind blowing to watch how good he is in the barrel. He'll be 62 next week. Yeah. And they have a video of Ray and Anthony surfing bank faults. So we'll post that on SpitPodcast.com. It's gonna get me frothing. He said, like the rest of the world, the economy here has been crushed and Can Dewey has been one of the few resorts in the area to keep its staff working. But we're working on this YouTube series, Anthony and Ray are working on this YouTube series that focuses on the last couple of months. And so hopefully that'll get people to pump uh, pumped to return to Indonesia and um, tourists and travelers so that that can get everybody working again. He also said in closing that it was the best decision he's ever made in his life. I feel like I've become a better person in addition to a surfer. I have no words to describe the appreciation I have for Can Dewey. And I wanted to thank Ray Wilcoxon and his family. They didn't know me before last year and he had no reason to help me out, but he's treated me like his family.
0: That's cool. That doesn't surprise me. All Day Ray is a great guy. Great follow-up to your
1: yeah. comment last week.
0: Yeah. You guys are stoked.
1: Um, I've got a Duke. We've got a partnership, too, a brand-new oh. partnership we want to clue listeners into. Well, hold
0: on. Let me... Let me uh, hold on. Hold on. Okay.
1: Uh, welcome back. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so... We have a new partnership we want to announce to listeners and encourage listeners to download and use Yeah, the Lazy Surfer app. Yes, Lazy Surfer. The surf forecasting app. Um, Nick from Lazy Surfer reached out to us a while back, actually, and um, asked us to download and give feedback on the app and all that sort of stuff. And so we've decided to partner with Nick to tell listeners to use the app because basically... It's a surf um, log, so you can log all of your sessions. You can use the app as a forecasting resource to see what wind, tide, and buoys, wave heights are all doing at any beach, basically. Um, But furthermore, you can log and track your sessions on there. You rate sessions on there on a one to five scale, and just like with all other apps at this point, they use an algorithm, uh, Nick uses an algorithm to track what style of waves, wind, tide you're riding at your local spots and identify what you like and what your preferences are, and then uh, make predictions for what the waves are doing tomorrow, today, tomorrow, and give you suggestions on when and where you should surf based on your own information. The reason why you should use this is not only the reasons that I said, but It's in its early days still, and it becomes a much more robust experience the more user data that it has. So everybody listening to the sound of our voices, go download Lazy Surfer app. It's entirely free. There's a pro version that you can upgrade to if you want, but certainly familiarize yourself with the free version, track your sessions on it. And that, again, makes my surf experience or my experience using the app better if other people are rating and reviewing stuff. And, uh, this is a huge resource. This is going to be amazing. The app is already amazing. It'll be even better. This is a personal weather forecasting app, surf forecasting.
0: Well, you know, what's cool about it, right? Is, is the idea of logging your sessions. You, You know, some of the greatest surfers, in fact, Skip Fry, Skip Fry is a guy who has logged every single session he's ever done. He's got like calendars. I've heard that. Calendars full of every session, what the wind was like, what the tide was like, what the sun was like. In fact, Hank Warner told me a good story. He goes, he goes, Skip, I'm going to get married on this state. So-and-so. I think it was in May maybe or something. And Skip looked through his, all his years on like whatever it was, May 16th or whatever it was, and looked at every single May 16th for like 30 years or whatever. And goes, Hank, the waves are going to be the tide's probably going to be low. The waves are probably going to be like this. It's a good day to get married. You
1: know? You're and not so going to miss it.
0: That's what this app does. It, you, it gives you the ability to log all of your sessions. As a reference, you can look back and discover. And I think it's a cool thing. I'm, I'm excited to begin using it. I've downloaded the app myself. Lazy Surfer. Go to the App Store, download the app, and check it out.
1: Yeah, it's a great resource. And again, I like the idea of all of us and our listeners being able to be kind of on the... Um, first floor of this and help not only help by providing user data for it, but also give feedback. You and I had a call with Nick yesterday and gave him feedback and he's like, oh yeah, that's great. I'm thrilled to make improvements based on your guys' feedback and how you're using it. So I think it's cool to be, and it's not beta. I mean, the thing is fully functional and up and running, but it's cool to be part of that early set of users to be able to provide feedback and have the app catered to our exact needs. Yeah, Lazy Surfer app, go get
0: Lazy Surfer.
1: Um, all right, you said you got a Duke.
0: I do. My Duke um, is this guy Afri Amu. Now, if you go to Surfline, um, there'll be a front, you know, front page story. Afri Amu. So this guy is an Afghani surfer. He's a member of the Afghanistan surf team through the ISA, International Surfing Association. He's he's trying to be make it so that he can be in the Olympics. And he and a German guy, I think, and another two German guys are making a movie about surfing Afghanistan. There's a standing river wave there. And um, I just think that this is a cool thing. The idea of sort of a landlocked country um, creating a surf team. I believe Afghanistan's landlocked. Is there a coast? I'm not sure. But anyway, they surf a river there. And the idea of bringing surfing to such a sort of war torn ravaged um third world country, I think is a good thing. It can only be good. It can only be good, you know like in general, I think surfers are pretty good, especially as a tribe that tries to move ideas and if if we're all about the ocean and surfing and clean a clean environment, moving that vibe to other places. If that's all we do, that's a great thing. Just move the concept of a clean environment as a tribe to Afghanistan, to other landlocked areas. I'm all for it. And um, afri has got a, a movie, a documentary that they're doing on this. And um, go to Surfline and check it out. And I
1: think there's also an article on Magic Seaweed with Afri, but um, Afghanistan surfer. Does our um, Surf Addicate 101 apply to the river surfers in Afghanistan? Uh, well, I know absolutely
0: nothing about river surfing, so I would say say no. Does it apply to pools in Palm Springs? What I would say is that whatever rules and etiquette that you learn in Afghanistan or in Palm Springs, you could probably apply them
1: to the ocean and be pretty good. I think we need to make a executive decision. Do we build out these rules? considering all these new areas of surfing or do we just build them for the ocean? Cause they're going to be a different set of rules. I think,
0: I think we should uh, keep our, keep but our, uh, no, keep, let's keep a broad perspective here. Let's um, okay. Let's definitely provide rules for other areas such as Palm Springs, surfing, I,
1: because this was part of our concern when pools started becoming prominent was what if somebody learns how to shred in a pool but they don't learn the fundamentals of priority. and Well, as you know, David- the Then they pools, go to the ocean and they pollute the ocean with their bad etiquette.
0: Pools do a pretty good job of setting up. I mean, I've been there, you've been I there, where we're at Waco or wherever, and we're with 20 people and you're just waiting for your turn. You're not like- because the Although rules, as much as I'm trying to kind of <laughs> jump in but, line.
1: But that's because the rules are told to you before you get in the right, pool and right. they're unique to that pool. I'm right, saying, but you
0: don't think that that's going to transfer over like people are going to go, no "Oh, chance. I stood in line, so I guess i got to stand in line here too."
1: No chance. Well, though that the standing in line thing isn't the way the ocean works. I agree. I'm just saying the you concept position, of you I position, have to wait my turn can be you could I could see how it could transfer to the ocean, they don't, but there's nobody telling them when their turn is. When they show up at the ocean, right. they're not there's no guide going, "Hey, okay, so you're first, you're 2nd They're going to go out there and realize they never get a turn unless they take it. But one of the things
0: about rules is, is that as a surfer, I hate rules. Like I go in the ocean because there are no
1: rules. So it's hard to give rules. Like there's a fine line. We have to There's though. a fine line, you know, like. We're putting, we're staking our claim as the rule makers. Okay. Because we've identified the surf well, we shops are gone, so, the magazines are we gone. We do,
0: do, do so understanding that there's a liberation, a sense of liberty in the ocean that, yeah. that we're free from the shackles of society's restraint. So our rules they can be pliable. They can be mendable. Understanding that the overarching thing is, hey, have some
1: common sense. Completely. All The filter of all of our... We need to run all of our rules through the filter of common sense and decency first. Right, which is why we're not
0: going to call people kooks. That's not commonsensical. That's not decent. What if
1: they're a kook? They are kooks, but we're not going to call them that. <laughs> I think part of the pliability that you're talking about is that the rules apply to whoever's listening to us, but not the rulemakers. Oh, my God. <laughs> I disagree with that. I think we need to be – You guys we need, need to be wait weakens. your turn while I go on this set wave. <laughs> no, no, we must uh, – My duke is Kalia Moniz for um, welcoming a first child. She's pregnant. She's not actually – hasn't given birth yet, but Kalia Moniz – from the epic Moni's clan is pregnant she announced her pregnancy on instagram cool with her boyfriend who's a photographer famous photographer kind of pop culture photographer who hangs with justin bieber and the like and uh so she's hanging out with all sorts of uh who knows what celebrities i guess is what we're gonna call them um big deal dude, You're not impressed? I'm not not impressed by getting to hang with the Beebs. I'm way more impressed by the Moniz clan than I am. Okay, if you got the chance to have lunch with the Beebs or Tony Moniz,
0: absolutely, Tony Moniz, mm. no doubt about it. Mm. Kidding. Consult it's not with even consult with your
1: daughter before you make that answer. It doesn't Short matter, she's the not the one the having. Speaking of your daughter, you have college age kids. Are they going yeah. back to college in the fall, dude? That's a great
0: question. Have you been listening to the Prof G podcast? Yeah. Listen to listen to number 17 it came out on Thursday. Yeah, I listened. The very end where he talks about the universities and, and Well, he's a
1: university professor, so he talks about it all the time. I know, he he does right and there. he does
0: kind of say the same thing over and over, but his latest thing is no matter what the universities tell you, there's no way the universities are having on having physical in-person contact classes.
1: Average age of a professor is 58. Being exposed to super spreader kids, a class of 200 super spreaders, yeah. not going to happen. No, Yeah. And not going to happen. And the whole business model is kind of turned on its head. Who's going to pay Harvard prices? Well, people when are.
0: That's the thing. Like I have to pay Indiana University full pop because they're saying, yeah, come back. We're going to have some classes they in want, person. I know they want the money. And they as want soon you send as the money, kids show up and there's a little outbreak, they're going to go send everyone home. But and they've cashed my check. Exactly which is driving me crazy, apparently.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So what are you going to do? I'm just going to acquiesce to whatever my daughter's desires, which is what fathers, fathers always Good do. Dad. I mean, I could sit here and tell you, I'm going to draw a line in the sand, but at the end of the day, I'm just going to like, oh, Gap year. I would love that. She's thinking about that. This is a perfect time for a gap year. The thing is, she wants to move through school with her friends and all graduate together. So if they can all get together and go, Gap year. That would be really helpful because then they would all move together through the,
1: you, those friends would listen to your plea for a gap year. If you had lunch with Justin Bieber, what about lunch your dad <laughs> had lunch with the Biebs? Yeah. And the Biebs suggested that a gap year is the right. right. That's the cool thing to do. It's what right. all the cool kids are doing.
0: Well, I'm yep. still going to yield to Tony Moniz. I'd much rather learn. I could learn a lot from Tony. It's going to cost. Not you it. It's not about It's going to cost you a life. year
1: of college tuition. Is what that lunch is going to cost you? Yeah. So good that's luck with that stuff. Uh, thanks to Shaq. Yeah. Thanks to Need Essentials. Absolutely. Thanks to the Lazy Surfer app. Yes. Here's the crazy thing about um, our partnerships: is yeah. how much the listener benefits from them. Right. We only provide listener benefit partnerships. It's crazy, right? LBP. Exactly. And do you think that they would have found the Lazy Surfer app without hearing it here? No. This resource to do good in their life was just sitting right outside their periphery. By the way. And now it's in front of their face. Speaking of
0: listener benefit partnerships, the California Gold Surf Auction, the previews are happening. You can look at all 60 lots. Bidding begins July 25th, and the auction closes August 8th, Saturday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We have 60 lots available for you to take a look at check them out over half of them no reserve no reserve pricing we are selling these boards
1: take a peek you're going to dig what you see what uh what were those boards that you brought in today are those part of
0: yeah the auction two of them are one of them is a lance collins wave tools greg mungle pro-am model a quad fin from 1984 ish and another one is a lightning bolt jerry lopez hand-shaped, hand-glassed by Jerry Lopez. It's a replica, modern classic of his Genesis board, the board, the very first board, the board that that made the light bulb go on. It was actually built pre-Lightning Bolt. He painted a Lightning Bolt on it three months later when him and Shipley got into business with Lightning Bolt surfboards. Mm. It's um, a replica of that board. It's eight feet. This is the board that rory russell mike armstrong all the guys rode this board and they're like jerry we need one of these boards it's basically the board that kickstarted the whole lightning board um lightning bolt surfboard phenomenon wow and um jerry made this a couple of months ago specifically for this auction and it's a killer board so that was one of the
1: boards i was epic. taking yeah epic um Good thing that the we're still recording. I just got a text inside info right now. Oh, good! Breaking news! Somebody just ran. Somebody exactly. Somebody just ran into Kelly Slater at the airport. Yeah. Guess where Kelly's going? Into Waco. Waco. Kelly's en route at this moment to BSR Cable Park to surf the Waco pool. Rad. Yeah. So we'll see that. I'm I, bet sure. he's,
0: I bet Jackson Dorian will be there. Could be Uncle so. Kelly and Jackson just
1: going crazy with Dad Shane. Boom! So we'll see that I'm sure in the next few days, Kelly should be posting. Um, that's some great breaking news. It is good breaking news, and also is that copacetic? Like he's—that's a competitors pool. He's in the pool business, and he's surfing a. No wonder pool.
0: he's going there. He's going there to do some test out the, the good. Question is: Do you let him in? Do you open
1: the gates? Yeah. Do you, you feel gots him a bad? To, you got to. Oh, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the other inside info that I'll give you was apparent. We've basically uh, spread the rumor that the ultimate surfer, the ABC show that the WSL is producing with the help of Dana White's production company, um, is they're filming a reality show at surf ranch in Lamar in July. Sounds hot as shit. I know. So that was what we had been talking about for a while now. Um, Eric Logan posted a cryptic story from surf ranch which i feel like validates the rumor eric logan's up there and uh that's probably because yes they are filming that validates the rumor all right so the ultimate surfer
0: we validated it validated it which is kind of a bummer like when a rumor goes from rumor to substantiated potential truth it loses some of his mysticism <laughs> a little
1: bit yeah anyway. we should do it we should go back get a listener to go back listen through our archives to find out how many rumors and like Indiana, predictions, parking lot fodder predictions that we've made right. actually come true versus didn't pan out. I wonder what it's the like ratio 99.9% true. I feel like for Garen's yeah. Garen's ball Baron's, and how many suggestions did we make to the WSL that they implemented a year or two later, 99.9% more than the previous one for sure. Right. I mean, almost a hundred percent. By the way, um, Dave Prodan's having Pat O'Connell on the podcast on Friday on his podcast yes. in the lineup. Yeah. And apparently, Pat is breaking down a bunch of news and updates. Ah.
0: Oh, that'll be good. So look forward to that. Fair enough. All right. Okay. Well, until next time, David. Adios. And aloha.
2: Oh yeah, I don't want to do your dirty work no more, I'm a fool to do your dirty work, oh yeah. Oh yeah!